Thank you for tuning in to Morning Moments with Pastor Bruce Goddard from Faith Baptist Church. We pray that this is a blessing to you. Hey, great to get together for a few minutes today. Thanks for joining me. Um, If you've not been at our church or watched any of our Wednesday services, I've been teaching a little bit um, recently, just a very brief overview of some of the Reformed theology and Calvinism that is uh, being pushed on our young people through colleges. And, and um, you know, there's nothing new under the sun, Solomon wrote. And I remember back when I was first saved. So again, for those of you that don't know my testimony, I was saved on a Wednesday, left for a secular college on Saturday. I didn't even, I had no, there was no grooming, no training, no discipling, no mentoring, whatever words you want to put into it. I got saved and a guy put a King James Bible in my hand. He left for college in the South and I went to college in the North. And um, and and all I knew is I wanted it. And I didn't know any doctrine. And I just began devouring my Bible, reading it by the hour. And what a wonderful first year, year and a half, like about 18 months, I guess, there at a regular uh, small private school and um, I didn't learn anything academically, but I got a lot of Bible. And, and um, it's like every day I fell in love more with the Word of God and the principles of it. Now, um, if you if you want to get somebody on track, if they'll do it, let them spend an hour or two a day for the first year, 365 days of their Christian life, and literally immerse themselves in the Word of God. And what will happen is, um, and I've talked to other people who through life experiences ended up in the same spot I did, you just become so aware of Bible truth that you don't even know what you know. And uh, so I spent a year and a half in a secular college after six months to a year, something like that. Uh, I've been reading about baptism, reading the New Testament. So I went, when I happened to be home, I didn't have a home church, but uh, some of my friends went to a church, brought up baptism. The pastor said, yeah, you're supposed to get baptized. Said, well, no one told me. So I got baptized and and um, I found myself um, attending uh, a good Baptist church. And, um, and I just knew God wanted me in Bible college. And uh, I started this small Bible institute at our home church, very good church, good pastor. And, um, but in uh, his absence because of some health issues in his family, uh, the guys in charge, they just they wanted to bring in some scholarly people to make that college look more impressive. And they got some seminary graduates in there who were just, they were just overeducated. Like, uh, like it was said of Paul, much learning doth make thee mad. And I sat in class and heard uh, one of the teachers repeatedly correcting the Bible, what you know, what it should say and how this word should have been translated and what this verse really means. And I heard enough of that, and I remember thinking, you know, I'm going to believe my Bible, not you. We can just forget that. Uh, I am not going to toss my Bible out for the word of, of some guy standing up in a classroom. I'm just not doing that. But I'd had a year and a half of real good, solid uh, just Bible, Bible, Bible. Just you just literally immersed my life, my mind, and heart and soul in the Word of God. Um, I walked away from parties before I heard a sermon on the wrong crowd. I walked away from liquor before I heard a sermon on liquor. There were things I learned by reading my Bible that I should do and should not do. 
things I cleaned up in my life because I had enough Bible in me that the Word of God, the Word of God cleanses us, and uh, the Word of God gives us faith and and so much. But um, I remember I was in uh, I was in in that college the first time uh, I had systematic theology. Someone gave us a book by a guy named Bancroft and studied systematic theology. We memorized verses. Oh, we memorized lots of scripture, and thank God for that. Um, by topic, so soteriology, verses on salvation. Well, that's great. Only in this class, you learned verses that implied you could lose your salvation. Then we memorized verses that said you couldn't lose your salvation. No one ever told us which they, which they thought was right. And I'm just thankful I've been reading my Bible enough before I got in a theology class that I didn't get messed up. And um, you young people, you parents of young people that might be heading off to college or maybe you're in college, uh, you need to be on guard because... Uh, these highly educated people who are impressed with their knowledge and love impressing people, they'll mess you up more than they'll help you. You get a humble, godly teacher of the Bible, a guy who loves it, doesn't change it, doesn't modify it, and believes it, a guy who works on a bus route and works and maybe goes soul winning, preaches in a rest home, get some some humble, godly man or lady like that, and you're safe. But um, uh, I began finding myself exposed to some of these doctrines. Uh, um, the I guess the maybe the most famous book at the time was the book called The Sovereignty of God by Arthur Pink in regard to Calvinism and sovereignty. And, um, and immediately I knew that wasn't a book I wanted. Immediately I'd see, I'd go to bookstores and look for used books and old books and see Arthur Pink and man, I'm not going to read that guy's books. Uh, this guy didn't have a brain in his head. I don't care how educated he was. Let me give you just a couple. Um, and again, this has to do with what I've been teaching on Wednesday nights. Um, um, Arthur Pink wrote in his book, The Sovereignty of God, clearly it was God's will that sin should enter into this, enter this world. Otherwise, it would not have entered. For nothing happens save as God has eternally decreed. And the very idea that it was God's will that sin should enter this world, it just baffles me. That anybody, no no common Bible reader could say that. You you have to get messed up by education. And of course, the dominoes of that idea go on and on. Well, God said, don't do it. Uh, God said, don't eat of the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so God's giving them a command to not do something, but his will was that they do something. You see the contrast there. Uh, another quote from his book, The Sovereignty of God, not only um, had God a perfect foreknowledge of the outcome of Adam's trial, not only did his omniscience see Adam eating the forbidden fruit, but he decreed before that it that he should do so. So Pink writes that that God not only knew that, that Adam would sin, he decreed it so that that it was the decree of God that Adam would eat that forbidden fruit and sin and what a shameful what a what an allegation um, against God that he would will man to sin uh, those those are abominable doctrines they're just and, and yet the reason I talk about this is is there's much Calvinism creeping into our our, our independent Baptist circles um, another another uh, heresy in my mind, a book called The Five Points of Calvinism by a guy named Edwin Palmer. 
uh, he said, once, speaking of, of mankind, once he's born again, he can for the first time turn to Jesus expressing sorrow for his sins and asking Jesus to save him. Where in the world does that kind of craziness come from? Well, it comes from that man is totally depraved, unable even to be sorry for his sin, unable to go to God asking for mercy and forgiveness. The only way to do that is to be regenerated. And if man gets regenerated, now we're talking about a guy who who can admit he's a sinner and needs a savior. Um, this uh, uh, R.C. Sproul, more modern, more popular kind of a speaker, he says a cardinal point of Reformed theology is the maxim, regeneration precedes faith. And all I can think of is just read your Bible and ignore these guys. Um, let's just relax, enjoy the Word of God, and um, thank God we're in a country where no one's forcing you to, to read and believe these things. But this idea of Calvinism is so off, so wrong. It's, uh, it's such a mess theologically. Now, here's the problem. We need to go out in all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That is the command of God. And every person needs to hear the gospel. God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Um, over in Revelation, one of the last um, encouragements, of the, the, the plea was, um, whosoever will, let him come. Let him drink of the water of life freely. And this, this openness that God invites all to come, uh, that Christ died for the sins of the world. Um, it's just, we've got a great God, we've got a great Savior, but the devil has always tried to bring um, corrupt doctrine into our churches. And of course, in so doing, um, you can't afford to witness to people because, if you, because what if you get some guy saved that God didn't want saved? Um, you, you don't want to give an invitation in church for fear people will come forward to put their faith in Christ that God had not ordained, uh, decreed before the creation of the world that they should get saved. And uh, the, the number of, of abominable doctrines that come up through this, um, they're, they're just overwhelming. And yet in our own com community, we're just a little town, but there's, there's Calvinism in some of the churches here, that people think, "Oh, these folks believe the Bible." Uh, no, don't you can't you can't say that. Uh, you you just can't relax and assume that everybody that carries a Bible believes a Bible. Uh, you can't just assume that people are are saved and straight on their Bible doctrine. And so we've got to be very guarded. And uh, we and it's none of our business what someone else believes. That's between them and God. But we do need to understand that we, as the people of God, have to keep our doctrine right. Um, the Reformed view of predestination teaches before a person can choose Christ, he must be born again. One does not first believe, then become reborn. But Jesus said, you will not come to me that you might have life, John 5, 40. Jesus said, you will not come that you might have life. It's available. He didn't say you can't come. He said you will not come. It's your will that's your problem. And um, let, let's just be very um, candid, very um, simple in our faith. Um, we have a most wonderful God who wants all men to be saved. And he has a, he has a heart for the lost and his, uh, his, sent his dear son to die for our sins. And I want to encourage you, let's be careful 
about our Bible doctrine. Be careful what churches that we go to. Be careful what colleges our young people go to. All Bible colleges are not the same. And if they don't have a very active and aggressive soul winning program, probably shouldn't send your kids there if they're hoping to be trained for the ministry. And again, finding any independent Baptist college with an aggressive soul winning program is pretty hard these days. People spend maybe a half hour, they'll witness to one person a week. They'll pass out some tracts. But the idea of being soul winners, of going out passionately looking for people that are lost, wanting to lead people to Christ, that's almost non-existent anymore in our independent Baptist colleges. And so it's very, very important that we keep ourselves thinking right when it comes to the church. What is the church's marching orders? Our job is to go. That's the first thing. Then is to win. Win them to Christ. And then is to baptize them. And then what? Teach them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, Jesus said. That, th- those four points, That's the, those are the marching orders of the church. Now, here's the absurdity of this Calvinist crowd in a book called Abandoned Truth, The Doctrine of Grace, says free will makes man his own savior and his own God, little g. Free will makes man his own savior and his own God. And what craziness. Um, you know, when when God offered King Saul the uh, the throne, Saul could have been the one that the Messiah was going to come through his his lineage. Uh, Saul could have had so much, but what? When Saul was little in his own eyes, God chose him. Then he got too big for his britches, using the colloquialism, and uh, he started messing things up, ignoring God. So God booted him out, and God picked another guy. So I'm going to find somebody with a heart like my heart, and uh, he found David. Um, the uh, this idea of free will of course there's free will there's the forbidden fruit don't eat it but they had the the reason the tree was there so they could have free will another book um, free grace versus free will by a guy named best he says the heresy of free will dethrones god and enthrones man and <laughs> i just like i i read these these uh, guys writings and i think what is wrong how how many years do you have to spend in, in college and seminary to become that stupid in that unscriptural? Not that these men are stupid, uh, but they're, they're thinking, I would have to be stupid to buy all this stuff, that's for sure. Um, the ideas of, of God's love for all mankind, um, you know, he just, God so loved the world and God is not willing that any should perish. And God has a deep, passionate love for mankind, and in his holiness, he also promises a very severe and eternal judgment for those who will not get saved. Uh, Whosoever will. Uh, There's a guy named Cobra, Manfred Cobra, who wrote that um, man does not have a free will when it comes to the matter of salvation, and that's a book called Divine Election or Human Effort by this guy Cobra, and um, it's very important that we understand that God, God, God is the author of freedom, and he gives great liberty. And you see people who cause the Apostle Paul grief. And in the Philippi, book of the Philippians, uh, Paul says, there's some people, they, they make a big deal about me being jailed, and, and they preach Christ trying to add affliction to my bonds. He says, I just rejoice that Christ is preached. God didn't want those people to assault the Apostle Paul and cause him the grief. Uh, carnality and sinfulness is a reality, and, um, and, and we just have to deal. We're in a sinful world. We're in an ugly world. 
And so, you know, the great work of God, the great heart of God is souls, souls being saved. And that's why I love the bus ministry in Sunday school. And that's why I love the jail ministry and the rest home ministry. If we don't reach out and get people saved, we're not in the will of God. That, I can tell you this, it is the will of God that we go tell people about Christ. Uh, it's so very important that we that we keep our church fresh and alive in this matter of, of soul winning. And everybody ought to carry tracks and everybody ought to be willing to witness to people and everybody ought to be um, finding a chance to give the gospel to children and grandchildren and neighbors and friends and siblings. Uh, it's a great work. Um, this thing of the, the gospel ministry is the great purpose of the church, and I hope we never lose sight of it. And if we do, uh, we are in big trouble. We will have lost our marching orders. We're not just to sit around and stuff our heads full of a bunch of facts. We're to go out into the world and tell them the wonderful news of salvation. Can you the very word gospel? You know, the word gospel means good news, and uh, the the very word gospel. What a what a bad word to choose if the Calvinist, if the, the, this is Reformed theology is the term you'll hear more nowadays, Reformed theology. If the people who believe in Reformed theology were right, the word gospel's got to be thrown out because I'd go out knocking on doors and meet people saying, now, by the way, this could be good news, this could be bad news. Because if you're in the elect, good news, you're going to heaven. You, could, you might be a drunk, you might never go to church, but if you've been ordained, you're going to heaven. And you, no matter how good you live, no matter how hard you try, no matter how much you want to get saved, you can't get saved unless God ordained you get saved. And you're going straight to hell. So there's no good news for you because you're condemned already. God made you before you were formed in the womb. God already ordained you to go straight to hell and burn like a pork sausage. What kind of good news is that? Uh, what, a, what a tragedy. What a, what a, a denial of Bible doctrine, but I, I just want to say again, it's in our church, it's in churches in our community, and it's out there, and uh, we need to be so very guarded. God, th hey, think about Jonah. God says, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. Where'd Jonah go? Well, he went out and went the wrong direction, and had Jonah not repented and gotten right with God in the whale's belly, he might still be in that whale's belly. I have no idea. Um, now, God used a fish to help manipulate circumstances. So Jonah went ahead and do, did the will of God. But oh, that it was to say that it was God's will that Judas sell out the Savior. Remember, Jesus said, Woe to him. Or, it's, it's necessary that offenses come, but woe to him by whom they come. It were better that a millstone were tied around his neck and cast into the sea. Oh, he doesn't want offenses to come, he doesn't want people hurt. And uh, he doesn't he doesn't want people to be taken advantage of. Uh, we have a we have a faithful and good God, and uh, there's a lot of wrong in this world. But don't you blame it on God. The wrong in this world is because mankind chose to bring sin into this world, and we are born with a sin nature. And uh, thank God that He saves sinners, and He certainly does. If you're not sure you're saved and going to heaven, I want to assure you today. He'd save you if you'd call on him. And if you want to give our church a call, whoever answers the phone, they'd tell you how to get saved. And we have a great, wonderful Savior. Hope you have a great day. Look forward to crossing paths again soon. <music>